Welcome to The Razor's Edge. I'm Daniel Schwartzman, and I'm joined by Seeking Alpha author Akram's Razor. Each episode, we take an investing idea or theme that Akram has been looking at for his personal investing, as well as the Seeking Alpha Marketplace service he runs, also called The Razor's Edge. We look at specific ideas and discuss how they might play out and what research goes into the thesis. The idea is to share some current investing ideas or topics for your consideration and also get to the ins and outs of deep fundamental market research, or in this case, a little bit more portfolio management. This week's topic, the trading environment heading into 2020 and how to deal with it. What do I mean? We're in a market where stocks whiplash back and forth and it's not always clear why they do, might be a sign of too much liquidity, it might be a sign of something else. We're going to discuss what's going on and how to position smartly when a stock might move 30% from one week to the next without obvious news. Before we begin, quick disclaimer and disclosure. Razor's Edge is a podcast on Seeking Alpha's The Investing Edge channel. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectfully. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. We'll disclose any positions at any st- stocks we discuss at the end of the podcast. We're recording this on the morning of January 2nd, right before trading starts for the year. So that said, Akram, good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good morning to you, Daniel. So I want to set this conversation up. We were chatting a few weeks ago, getting ready for the NVIDIA podcast, and then you you just started going going at me about all these, or not at me, but you were sh- you're talking about how the macro market is not in a great point. You said long-term investing is a joke and we really need to rethink what that means. So I think there's, you went through a lot and I think there are things that we can discuss. I didn't agree with you and everything, but what did you mean? What, what do you see in the market right now? Oh, I mean, I think uh, at the time it's just the back and forth and a lot of the price action you know, can get, I mean, can get frustrating. I'd say maybe I was a little frustrated <laughs> with just the way certain things, particularly in the growth stocks, you know, when you think SaaS cloud, how they, how some of these things bounce around. It's been an, it's been an odd tape, I'd say the last few months. What's an example? Like what's something that either frustrated you or how did, when you think about this, what, what stands out? I mean, I get weird. like some, you know, I can give you some examples like Salesforce.com reported earnings dropped like 4%, but it had given its earnings at an analyst day like 10 days earlier, you know, and you're just like, all right, I mean, there's literally nothing to report on earnings and then I dropped it like oh Salesforce was like they didn't miss they didn't give it. there's nothing new in there whatsoever these SaaS stocks seems to seem to move around for absolutely no reason and gyrate wildly I mean you get some some violent price swings I mean we've seen a lot this year Workday for example when it reported it dropped again and not really much of a surprise in terms of what they said. Stock is cheap, you know. Uh, I'll give you an example. Recently, I had been buying calls on Amazon. Which okay. had, let's just say it's it's underperformed. This like let's call it uh, trade rally, and 
you know, for I'd say like two or three weeks in a row, I was actually messing around with the weekly options just as like, I mean, if you watch Apple and Microsoft melt up and then just, you know, the day after Christmas, it goes up 5% in a day. <laughs> you know, you're just like, this is just silly. So first, what do you, when you try to think about what might be causing that, do you have like the obvious thing is you think, you know, computers are computer trading is. Yeah, I do think that plays wrong. a part. I mean, if you look post trade deal, the week it was announced, you had like a nice little bit up in, in let's say Apple, Microsoft, some chip stocks, financials. Uh, that Friday, it's funny because I was trading. Uh, I'd picked up some Facebook calls for the day, actually, even as well as the. Uh, the next week and there was like a headline FTC thinking about, you know, separating Facebook's apps with an injunction and the stock dropped like literally like two, 3% and understand. I mean, like Facebook is, I mean, it's really lagged as far as uh, uh, performance. I mean, I, I don't know if you looked at Facebook's valuation, but it, it's insane. Right. And then the next week it goes up 7%. I mean, these are types of moves that don't even happen on earnings. So there's there's like a flow driver in in the market where you got kind of got to be sensitive. I mean, if you're trading on some of these, right? And it's it's really hard, I guess, moving the needle in terms of uh, knowing how to benchmark valuation these days. I mean, Facebook trades, I mean, it's, you know, we're talking, let's say, a company that has 40% plus operating margins, approaching $60 billion in cash, zero debt, and it's trading at like, you know, 21 times 2020 earnings, right? This is a stock that grew revenue about 29% its most recent quarter. I mean, literally half the names in the Dow Jones Industrial Average are at that multiple or higher you know like do you want to pay 21 times earnings for facebook at 30 percent revenue growth and 40 percent plus margins and 60 billion in cash or do you want to buy home depot at you know 20 21 times or walmart at 20 times or mcdonald's at 24 times or apple at 23 times or microsoft at almost 30 times or Visa 30 plus, Nike 30 something, Disney 26. I mean, there's like, there's some, there's some crazy things to think of. And I think when you look at shorting, for example, when we picked on uh, the SaaS bubble, let's call it an IPO cloud from the end of summer to now, those stocks, if you look at it from like July to year end, have pretty much sucked, right? They have not participated. It's, it's been like chip stocks and financials. And uh, well, there was that. It felt like in September, was it that all those stocks started getting hit really hard? And maybe that's partly you have the new, like you said, the new cloud, you know, Slack hasn't done well or whatever. But then also that kind of dragged some of the 
you know, I, I haven't looked, you know, these better, but service now or workday, I feel like those have chopped up and down a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, think about it this way. When you, when you look at like, I mean, if you were to talk to me about shorting a decade ago, you know, I'd start by screening into like 30, 30, 30 times earnings plus stocks, right? Those are like expensive. And there would be growth names trading at those, you know, at that type of multiple. And you'd be like, you know, this is going to trade down to 20 times earnings, right? I mean, now you have, you got Microsoft at like, I mean, it's a fiscal year, June, but they're like roughly 30 times June 2020 expected earnings, right? And they're like close to nine times revenue. Microsoft at, at nine times revenue, can you call Salesforce at like seven and a half times or Pinterest at seven times or Workday at eight and a half times bubbles? It's kind of tough, right? So like, I mean, when you're benchmarking, when you're trading, like, for example, when you're looking at cloud SaaS, you know, the tier two, tier three names, you, you would kind of look at them in the context of, you know, where Salesforce trades and where Workday and ServiceNow are trading, right? If you look at the last six months, you know, you, you've seen multiples there come in and, you know, multiples in the mega caps like Apple uh, and, and Microsoft, for example, really expand, right? Which is a bit of an oddity, but at the same time, I'd say maybe Fang has, you know, the mega caps have a limited amount of names. The supply, in the growth space, you know, I mean, like, there's probably about 50 names now. If you wanted to, I mean, just just like reel them off your head, you know, Zscaler and Zoom and, and CrowdStrike and ServiceNow and Workday and Zendesk and Salesforce. And I mean, it's, it's a long, long list. So maybe supply plays a part of it. I mean, obviously, supply was, was a good part of a thesis when I did Once Upon a Time in Tech. I did point that out and that you do have a lot of these smaller companies like in knife fights to a degree now more with each other than before versus the giants just kind of get bigger, right? It seems like there are two separate things here though, right? Because there's one is sort of the relative valuation and, you know, Facebook, I think is sort of its own cat. You're basically arguing Facebook is lagging when it shouldn't, but like, Microsoft getting a 30 times multiple. That's always a story in the market, right? I mean, you do have, right. like, that's kind of how you benchmark all things. You will have a laggard and a leader. And, you know, Microsoft and Apple politically and press wise, generally speaking, are, are viewed as, let's say, not having the regulatory concerns that Amazon and Facebook have, right? But we're not necessarily in, like in an outright comparing these things just absolutely against each other. I mean, Coca-Cola trades at like 22 times earnings, McDonald's, right? Uh, when, when you start thinking in that context and you look at a Facebook, you're like, okay, I mean, this is a bit extreme, right? You are getting some serious distortions. But right. So that to me, feel, and you know, I, I think, I don't know that you're going there, but implic- it implies that, valuations at the very least are really high and elevated in a lot of areas. But I guess the other aspect, what you seem to be more focused on 
when he chatted with me was about this, the sort of, like I said, the whiplash effect. And I guess, how do you tie that to like this feeling of companies moving? I mean, I, th- I, I think the way these SaaS stocks trade uh, algorithmic definitely has a lot to do with it. I mean, I can count, I don't even remember how many, but there's been like five to seven Monday morning flash crashes at SaaS this year where just like for no apparent reason you wake up on a Monday not much really happens in the Nasdaq it's not like the Nasdaq sells off or the Dow sells off or the S&P sells off much but like you know by the end of the day you've got like your MongoDBs and uh, Elastics and Zscalers and Crowds and Zoom and Workday and whatever drop you know Team uh, Okta Twilio We'll just drop like seven percent. But I, I guess the question there that it begs for me is that isn't that I, I guess if you're tr- this is where that you said long term investing is in trouble. But to me, aren't those opportunities unless you're like I understand? No, I, I think you have opportunities. Let's walk it back. I wouldn't say necessarily that long term investing is necessarily in, in trouble. I think it's. I think it's just gotten a lot trickier at certain times on how to benchmark how you want to value things, right? Like if you were to look at the market today and you looked at, let's say, and then you're a growth investor and you like certain stories, you like a Zoom, okay, for example. It's kind of a, an obvious success story. Reported earnings recently was considered like a miss, dropped like 9% or whatever because it grew – 85% and that was a slowdown from, you know, 88, 89% or whatever. And you're like, do I buy the stock? Right. I mean, Zoom trades like probably, let's call it like $17 billion enterprise value. And it's going to do, let's call about like 65, 650 million or so in revenue this year, but maybe like 630 whatever so you're like paying about like 27 times this year's earnings you don't really have to like if you look at consensus estimates and whatnot you don't have to be that much of a optimist to conclude that you know zoom's got a very good shot at hitting a billion in revenue next year right that would be like about 50 percent revenue growth and like where they're tracking sequentially then it's doable so it's like a 16 times forward sales stock with good unit economics, generating positive free cash flow, operating margins, etc. They could grow faster if they wanted to. I mean, those questions have been asked on the call. They're essentially a category killer in what they're doing. But, I mean, it's it's got a market cap of, you know, if you're buying it today at $18 billion and aiming to get to a billion in revenue next year. And you can buy, you know, Workday, which will do about like 3.5 billion in revenue this year at, you know, like 36, 37 billion, right? So, I mean, there are comparisons when you look at it where it's like, if I'm going to change the valuation of the whole stock market again sometime in the near future, like, am I going to make any money owning Zoom here for at least in the next two years? Is it compelling? 
it's a tough question, right? Like, I mean, there's no doubt it continues to grow. And there's no doubt it continues to displace its competition pretty successfully in, in an investable horizon of the next, call it 12 to 18 months. But it is pretty richly valued, right? But then you look at it and you're like, I can pay nine times sales for Microsoft growing its top line like 10%, right? And that puts things somewhat in perspective where it's like Zoom doesn't look that bad in that context, right? Or, you know, 20 plus times earnings for Apple's flattish revenue growth. So I think that's where things get a little bit more challenging and particularly also when you when you go outside of you know even the growth sectors and and you look at like you know a Walmart or a Home Depot or or Disney or a Coca-Cola and I mean these are stocks where in the past you'd be debating whether 13 times earnings is a good deal right one of the one of the things that's interesting looking at this is like you take a zoom because I, I had actually looked at Slack earlier this week, just sort of eyeballing it and, and noticed it was still pretty, still burning a lot of cash basically. And, and if they're close to not burning cash, it's basically because they have huge stock based compensation. Um, I mean, they all have that story, right? To, I mean, right. if you look in, if you look but, at that space, the non gap operating margin. Like, but Zoom is interesting because Zoom has has that, but they are free cash flow generative. It looks like I, I mean I just pulled. They up are, yeah. So that's so, so that's where because I feel like what you're describing. I get how with more liquidity with computers things will move faster, but also like that seems to be the the plight of a like you said, you know a growth company where they're not profitable yet. At least in Zoom's case without again just from looking at the 10q and knowing that they're a growing company it doesn't sound like they need the market for a while so that at least gives them room to they don't need the market and they're grow. not going to need the market because the structure of their business model it, like i mean even on, on their most recent conference call which by the way it's fascinating if you look at how they've changed it using zoom on conference calls I mean, it's, <laughs> everyone's going to be using zoom on conference calls it's, it's so impressive we should we should disclose that we are recording the razor's edge for the first time on zoom as well so there you go right and i mean it's just it's a better product right and i think when you look at it people did ask them they're like you know you could you could hire more sales people you could do this i mean like you're growing you know close to triple digits still why not invest more? And they kind of just answered the question. They're like, we're getting good unit economics. <laughs> like, you know, we don't need to just, we don't need to just drive the top line. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we're happy growing 86% with these margins. Right. So if, if, if we feel like we're under investing, you know, we can, we can ramp it up, but we, we don't view ourselves as under investing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, it's balanced. It's, it's attractive. I mean, Slack is an interesting one when you look at it because like Slack is down to trading at like, you know, 12, 13 times, you know, 2020 revenue. Right. And still, I mean, I, what did it grow? Like close to 
60 percent or so most recent quarter. 60 was the last quarter yeah. yeah i mean the billings was implying something closer in the 40 percent range but like the top line is about 60 percent or so in the most recent quarter but i mean to me you look at a slack and slack carries the concerns of like of a dropbox i, sh- I did a short piece on seeking alpha on dropbox in the summer stock was like 27 and it's trading at like at the time trailing 12 month ev to sales of like eight and a half x right and the just argument is that it's it's slower growth it's a pretty niche type product they're, they're trying to be a platform it's tough right and the stock actually you know when i did it it it, it, it moved really quickly down and dropped you know 26 27 and it's now trading around 17 18 but if you look at dropbox today you know on an ev to sales basis it's like 3.3 times 2020 right probably going to grow revenue in the mid-teens maybe a little bit higher a billion in cash no debt right and you look at a business like that and you're like, like, I mean, log me in just recently got acquired, right? Which is interesting. If you look at zoom and the multiple, it had gotten down to and the potential there. And you're like, you know, Dropbox is uh, kind of a value play, right? I mean, you pull it out of the, the growth category and you're like, this is a, it's free, free cash flow positive. Though again, a lot of that has come from, from the stock comp side on a non gap basis. But they've had pricing power. They just raised pricing and it's kind of sticky. And like it now trades at a lower EV to sales multiple and ungeared than JCOM, right? And JCOM is just like, you know, I don't know many people who know who follow it, but it's this like never dying e-fact story where they just keep slowly raising the pricing on uh, the e-fax business where they have just absurd like you know 95 percent plus gross margins and you know 50 percent plus operating margins and they do acquisitions you know they just bolt on like these like little utilities and whatever you want to call it like voice cloud data backup and and they've done stuff on the advertising end with like Ziff, Davis Publishing, and whatnot. But they borrow money and they roll in these like nice little uh, complimentary add-ons. They drive pricing and margins higher on eFax, where like almost all the profitability cash flow comes from, and you know, stock gets a nice multiple, right? It's it's kind of like a, a Dropbox 1.0, right? Like, there's enough people on Dropbox who are very happy with the storage. It doesn't need to turn into the Microsoft Office, right? And it's not going to die, right? And it seems like they can raise pricing, you know, every couple of years, uh, a few percentage points, and it can go right into the bottom line. Now they're trying to be more collaboration and whatnot, but I mean, you do look at that at like three times forward and you're like, this is attractive, 
Meanwhile, you do look at, at Slack and you're like, oh, you know, 13 times sales growing at 60%. And you, but you can be like, you know, is this a Dropbox in two years, right? Like if I buy it today, do I feel stupid uh, in 18 months when it's trading at like 7x forward, right? And it grows and the growth rate slows and the multiple just comes in with it, right? So best case scenario, I lose like 20%, right? Right. I mean, you, you have kind of, you have a lot of that dynamic, I think, in the cloud names where, I mean, pager duty, pager duty, I did, you know, short on right. back when it was right. almost 30 times sales, stocks down like 50, 60%. Pager duty's got like two thirds of the, you know, Fortune 500, its customers. Okay. And it's, it's, you know, an 85, 87% gross margin company, right? Not profitable, still burning some cash. But I mean, the revenue growth rate now is trending into the 20s, right? Within 12 months of going public. And you look at it and you're just like, why is this a standalone company, right? I mean, it fits so nicely as an acquisition into so many b- broader cloud names because you literally, you, you, the sales overhead, sales and marketing overhead for this company with the gross margins they have, but like let's call it the size of the addressable market, just makes no sense, right? Like why isn't this something being cross-sold by, by service now or, or one of the, you know, uh, one of the uh, monitoring companies like a Datadog, or or even a Splunk could do an acquisition in the space or whatnot. But like, if you were going to buy this company today and take it out, you're still paying over ten times sales, right? R- r- roughly around there. Like that's like if I'm looking to bolt it in and and you know just add the product into a bundle of what I'm selling with my established sales force, right? I probably don't want to pay that. But like if I could pay five times sales, yeah, I, I'm sure you'd probably have like seven, eight suitors, right? So I think with some of these names, like the there maybe there is an argument that like the higher multiple on these like more diversified giants does make a little bit more sense the appeal of being a long-term investor and being, well, you know, it's a great product. It's doing this. And you're just like, yeah, okay, fine. But like, it's just, it's going to be dead money, you know? Uh, And let's say I I buy something today that looks attractive, but the market re-rates valuation wise, right? I, I could still lose another 50%, right? 10x turns into 5x times right. And, and that's where I think there is a challenge because, like, I don't think anyone has a clue when it comes to uh, overall valuations. So, because a lot of what you're describing is, is still really classical. I mean, you're, you're not spewing DCFs as we sit here, but you're basically trying to size out who's got a path to a clear market who has 
competitive advantage who would be attractive as part of a bigger firm or who would, you know, it's all these with valuation thrown in. So I guess the, what you're saying is that the, and you usually, the way you play things from my experience reading your work and talking on this podcast is you're usually looking for pair trades. And I guess the, it would seem to me like if you're able to find the right pair and to understand the dynamics in PD's case, I think you were looking at Atlassian as somebody who had a better position. And, you know, correct me if I mis- mischaracterize anything, but like, are you saying that it's harder right now because the giants are so big that that kind of skews off, you know, and because I, you know, behind this all, we have interest rates at whatever that, you know, the 10 year is at 2% or whatever it is. And so that throws everything off as far as what the baseline attractive or expensive multiple is. And you're saying that, does that make it harder to find the pairs or does that just make you? Less I, I definitely think you need to be more pair oriented without question more than ever. Right. What, where I do think is a challenge is that if you're not pair oriented, and uh, and you want to buy something outright, and like the that valuation barometer changes so drastically because it's driving so much of the overall way of picking a stock. Because, like we just said, you can go through certain businesses and and be like, I like X, Y, and Z about this, but this is where it trades, right? And that's where you, where you do get challenges in 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 certain names, and there seems to be like these just violent periods of flow rotation by algos, where that benchmark changes really quickly. Well, and you've I I know I feel this on the value side too, where I look at you know I screen for stocks and I look for interesting ideas that have good balance sheets and in theory, have a good valuation, but they all have their own, you know, it's the Dropbox story writ large as far as, you know, here's a biotech that, you know, is trying to get a new indication and that might have a competitor, a generic come into their main drugs field or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, you're used to that more in those spaces, right? I mean, like if I'm going to trade biotechs, I'm, I'm willing to accept the fact that my valuation can change by order of magnitudes pretty quickly. Right. Like when I look at a Dropbox, it's just, I mean, it's, I mean, is there a compelling reason for someone to take it over here? That's a good question. I mean, like if you were to gut, like, I mean, they're spending something like, you know, over a hundred million dollars on a headquarters, right? Like a mothership for Dropbox. There's like mood rooms and all this other stuff. (laughs) And you're just like, I mean, there's probably an appeal for, for, for like, there were rumors recently about an activist there after the log me in acquisition. And I definitely could see the argument with that stock where it's like, you know, why don't you run this like JCOM? Right. Like, I mean, just milk the cash flows. You're really sticky. You have a good core product invest more in, in the enterprise end of the sales uh than trying to trying to create you know a broader collaboration suite right you're just you're not going to get the zoom investor in dropbox right and that's where this the struggle is with slack right because like they get lumped together in the beginning and you get this like you know this multiple spread but you look at slack and you're just like you know why isn't this 
why isn't this where Dropbox is today in two years, right? Like needing a private equity deal or uh, some sort of strategic acquisition once the multiple has 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 tanked, right? Because 13.5 times forward may be cheap in the context of the fact that it was 25 times forward before, but like you could just be like the Dropbox example on a path to finally being attractive when you're at, you know, 3.3 times forward growing at, you know, revenue at like 18, 19% with pretty solid, you know, 20% or whatever non-gap free cash flow margins. I mean, I think that like, that's, that's the struggle in those stocks and, and, and how to pick them. I mean, like, look, ServiceNow is great. ServiceNow is almost $60 billion, right? It's growing a little bit faster on a subscription revenue basis than, than Workday. And there's almost like a 50% EV to sales premium between the two, right? So you look at them, they're, they're probably going to both, they're going to do in the same range revenue next year, like in, you know, that $4.5 billion range. But like where service now trades today, like let's say it, you know, it hits that $4.5 billion in revenue for in 2020, Salesforce is expected to do $20 billion in revenue and it's like, you know, $140 billion, right? So, you know, you're looking at almost five times the sales for Salesforce growing 20%, albeit with, with acquisitions. And it's almost half the market cap of, uh, it's almost, sorry, it's twice the market cap of service now, you know, maybe like 2.4 times, right? So do you like, do you feel comfortable buying service now here? Like, I mean, it's essentially got to turn into Salesforce, right? I mean, it's, it's really got to grow that top line. Versus you're gonna, you know, you're gonna pay a lower sales multiple on Salesforce than you're paying right now on Microsoft. So I mean, in an absolutist way, one can look at this and be like, okay, just go buy Salesforce. Salesforce is cheap; it's undervalued, right? Mm-hmm. Don't really care what happens. But another way to look at it, like, yeah, do I need to be long Salesforce and short service now, just to hedge out? where the valuations in the broader space are going because I don't know. I mean, that's, well, that's, that's, that's part of the challenge, I think. Because I guess to me, it also sounds like part of the hesitation here is that the market, I, I'm, my perception has been the market has felt like it's been expensive really since like 2014 in, in some sense or another. And it, not to say that I've been on the side, but it's like you, you have to sort of, it's it's felt we've been waiting for the other shoes drop and except for last year and then it quickly rebounded the market hasn't really hasn't really done that you, your your corrections are really brief the dips are being bought etc and so to me it sounds like there's just it, which i would share there's hesitancy on on the one hand it feels like it's hard to tell the story for why this why a given stock 
you know will be fine for the next, let's say, five to 10 years. On the other hand, it's hard to sit there and watch the market. Like you, if you're investing, it's hard. It's not FOMO, but it's you're seeing the market go up and up and up. And it's, you can't just say, Oh, well, I'm going to sit, stick to my knitting. And yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's like, look, when the market fell last, last October through this time last year, Mm -hmm. right? There was nothing going on economically to drop the market. Right. I mean, if you go back to, to, to financial crisis, like, I mean, when I was shorting then and, and I was very focused on, housing and all and all that crap right i mean you had when the market first had its dip in in august of 07 you'd had the bear funds blow up in june you had new century financial blow up earlier in january february right like there was things going on in the economy to focus on the you know you would meet people who worked in mortgage finance and you'd be like how the hell are they making this much money right and like you had that dynamic, right? If you look at the drop, I mean, Apple, and, and, and with that, you never got something in that time period. Like, you know, you had stuff that happened in the financials or, or whatnot, but like you didn't have Apple drop like 35% in, in, in two, two and a half months, right? That never happened in that time period. So like what happened at the end of last year obviously was interest rates driven, right? And the market fell and, you know, the Fed reacted as they do. And then like, that's just kind of become the case. Like if there's a, if there's a drawdown in the market, you know, uh, these days that seems to be the barometer of what's driving monetary policy. And, like you do see it when you look at winners and the valuations and, and let's say call them, you know, blue chips. And when you see like, you know, Coca-Cola at, you know, 20 plus times and McDonald's at 25 times and Walmart and Home Depot at 20, and like Visa and Matt, I mean, what's Visa trade at? Like 15, 16, 17 times revenue, right? Like you want to sit and criticize uh, growth stocks and, you know, I mean, yes, it is just almost like a trades, almost like a biotech, right? And they just mint money. But you do look at it and you're like, at some point, the valuations of these names are going to be re-rated because the yields and the growth just are not there to justify where they're trading. And that becomes hard because you're just kind of looking for some sort of you don't even need an exogenous event. Like it doesn't have to take geopolitics. It, yeah, obviously you can sit and talk about the election and whatnot, but like it can just happen, you know, by sheer dynamics of the market. I mean, you, monetary policy is only going to get you so far. So, like that's when when you look at the market today, you're like, okay. Do I buy X, Y, and Z? These are safe blue chip names. And I could be like, well, you know what? You know, you can buy Pinterest at like 6.9 times EV to this year's sales, right? Like, that's not bad compared to 
you know, paying 25 times earnings for McDonald's. Yeah, it's an interesting way unless of unless you have safety. a very unless you have a very negative view of what happens to that business overnight. I mean, like that's the thing with Facebook. You know, Facebook. You know, Mark Beanoff's out calling it the new cigarettes. Tim Cook takes shots at it all the time. You know, I was I was commenting on it the other day. I was just like, I mean, Apple should send it like a thank you note annually to Mark Zuckerberg. I mean. <laughs> Like what percentage of iPhone time is spent on social media, right? Like sixty percent. Like you know, when you get excited about a new iPhone and it's got a better battery, and you go out and spend fourteen hundred dollars for it, you know, eighteen months after having spent twelve hundred dollars on one. The reason behind that is you're spending so much time on social media, right? So, like, there is kind of a symbiotic element there. Uh, but Facebook is, you know, theoretically hated, while for what it stands for, while Apple isn't, right? Like, even though the two can't exist without each other, so you do have dynamics like that. Whereas, just like, I mean, if I was to look at Facebook today, I, like. I would argue that if if you stripped out the the negativity that it gets in terms of oh it needs to be broken up and you know social media is bad for people and and whatnot, it's a three hundred dollar stock, right? I mean it's almost a no brainer. It's it's just minting money, and if you you know they should be erecting a temple in in the land of capitalism and 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 shareholder value creation to to Mark Zuckerberg. I mean he's he's a ruthless creator of shareholder value. There's no getting around it. I mean, is it is it nice that like when he buys a WhatsApp and the WhatsApp you know founders resign because they don't agree with the mission? Well, I mean you know you guys got a billion, twenty billion dollars, and Instagram guys got like a billion. But he didn't buy you guys, you know, for charity. Like he's he's trying to 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 drive the same type of shareholder returns that the people at Apple and Google and Microsoft are doing. So you do get these things uh, where you like like those are what we view as, I guess, opportunities in the market, right? But would Facebook look compelling if you know Apple was back at 13 times or 14 times earnings? No, obviously it wouldn't. But like that's when you get into this whole dynamic of like, what do we benchmark on? Like, I mean, the market—if you watch CNBC on a regular basis or whatever—I mean, how much time is spent talking about Apple and, and like the stock has just been going up every day for for two months, uh, and that's a bull market. Last year. It fell the same amount in the same amount of time period, and that was like a crisis that warranted the Fed intervening, right? I mean, if you look at it, it's since October one, it's up like thirty five percent. Last year, from October one to like Christmas, it was down like thirty four percent. That was Armageddon, and this is uh, you know a healthy market. So I mean, that's kind of where you you, you get into. The element of like, you know, what's my frame of reference, and and uh, how do I benchmark certain things within that context? Like, 
do I want to short a Slack because I feel certain ways about where the business is heading? Or am I going to see, you know, in the next month and a half, money flow back into these growth names? Because the other part of the market, let's call it the, the more blue chip established, has gotten so expensive. Right. I mean, you feel like when you, like, again, when you screen for stocks that are cheap, you also find things, energy names, obviously, and cyclicals, like that sort of. Yeah, I mean, ExxonMobil Exxon is a 20 plus times earning stock right now. Obviously, that's because of what's happened to the price of oil. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy, right? Uh, I mean, I like, you know, that's something that was like a, you know, a nine to like 13 times PE multiple for seemingly forever, right? I mean, like, that's the thing. I mean, like, you you do look at next year and you think, what could macro cause things to inflate anymore? And it's hard to conceive of anything. You know, you've got this China trade deal. You had the tax cut from Trump. You've had a Fed that was tightening, that's gone to easing and providing liquidity and and exited quantitative, uh, quantitative tightening and and they're not calling it quantitative easing yet, but you're, you're kind of there. Right. You got low low rates everywhere, and it's like, all right, what am I going to get? Incre- am I going to get? Am, am I going to get excited at any point in this year about the Fed? No, I can't see that scenario. I could see where they market. start I, cutting again. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, look forward at a at a catalyst and be like, you know, mm. what's What's going to drive these valuations any higher? Like, how much more expensive can a Microsoft get? That's one way of thinking about things. It trades it that way. Okay, yes, Azure, much more competitive. Like, it's it's been very well run. Cl- cloud has been fantastic, you know, for Microsoft Office, so on and so forth. But, I mean, like, how much more can you move the needle on, on that valuation? Right? And... That's like I, I guess that's a, that's a challenge when you when you look at some of these names and that's where you're like all right maybe maybe I should be reweighted towards what are generally viewed as riskier names but are organically growing faster and at this juncture maybe offer me better risk reward on the upside which was not the case uh, a year ago. I mean, a year ago, you could have thrown a dart at the board. You, like, I mean, for the people who did get excited about growth stocks and whatnot, and you had a nice rally in, in the first half of last year in, in SaaS cloud type names. They were viewed as defensive almost, but like, you could have just bought yourself an Apple, uh, a Microsoft, uh, a Google, a Goldman, a Walmart, a Costco, you know, and knocked out 50% plus, which is just right. crazy. Yeah, I, I've got our 2019 leader, leaders and laggards post, and you have Apple at 86% and Microsoft at 55% last year, leading the Dow. Yeah, I mean, that's just crazy, right? I mean, it, it, but a lot of people do forget the fact that, like, Apple three months ago was flat year over year. Mm-hmm. Right? It was like, it was like, it, it was 226, 27 dollars. In October one of two thousand eighteen, right? So it just had it had this drastic cliff dive, 
as a lot of names did. I mean, Facebook Facebook was in the 120s, right? I mean, think about what you were paying multiple-wise then. So, I mean, like that's that's just kind of like a driver on uh, on overall market valuations, and uh, I think well, that's, that's where that's where you, you get this this challenge, like that for them to change so drastically in such a short time period, and you you sit there and are are wary of when does that happen again. I mean, like, you look at you look at Apple's five year chart too, and that it sort of spells out just what you're because it is it's really that last quarter of the year is just you talk about melt up and it just kind of in a one point three trillion dollar market cap and it really just seems to play out right I there. Mean, I think it's literally been up almost every single day. I've, maybe five days it's been down in, in in two three months. Yeah, looks like it went down right before Thanksgiving. That that's a day. No, no, just like a couple little moves here and there. But look, Apple's got this also this dynamic around five G. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I think that's just BS. Like I, I think five G is so overhyped. Okay. So I don't think you're seeing you're, you're gonna see some crazy upgrade cycle. Uh I don't see where from a telco standpoint the invent the incentive to rush in investing to make money off of five G is there because what's the demand drivers? Right. And you've seen stuff like in terms of like, you know, where five G has been rolled out at a decent scale where the users have complained. Korea is an example. China, you know, some people have been talking about it and just like the benefit is not that great. And it switches back, you know, from the 5G network to the 4G and pings around. And it's just kind of, you know, yeah, I mean, it's great if I want to download a movie onto my my, my phone, but like, uh, let's say you're streaming or, or whatnot, what's the point, right? So like, where, like, what's the catalyst for you to spend significantly more money on your phone bill or on a piece of hardware for incremental improvements without some sort of killer application that you're going to notice. Because, I mean, I can already watch live TV at a a good quality, you know, on current networks. So, you know, you got a lot of people who talk about Apple and trying to justify the valuation today and say, well, you know, 2000. 20 5g super cycle and you're like come on really right and i mean like there's an element of that in the chip space too you know the chip space probably had the best year you know in the last 20 years and like for most of them like that year has occurred with like double digit declines in in revenue right so it's, it's not like i mean like you're seriously discounting a very strong cyclical 2020. It's not like a question of freaking earnings. It's like you priced in uh, a mega rebound. And like, that's where maybe you can see some volatility uh, at some point this year. And maybe as we get approached the back half of next year and, and 5g doesn't, doesn't really take off, you know, take off in in the sense of uh, uh, investing you know, the same way, let's say you were building out fiber backbone and, and wireless in uh, the early part of uh, the late 2000s or early 2000s, late 90s. And you have a, you have a huge, you know, re-rate there, even though they grow, right? 
on a year over year basis compared to where they were in 2019. And maybe that's like, maybe that plays a part in some rotation more into some of these software names where people view them as more defensive and secularly oriented versus dependent on uh, some sort of macro driver. But I mean, you also do get some weird stuff. I mean, like, you know, for this whole sell off that we've had, you like, you know, Shopify is making new highs, for example. I mean, Shopify trades at 30 times earnings. Sorry, 30 times sales. I mean, you know, put that in perspective. I mean, you know, in the summer, that was like, okay, an extreme valuation, but you were like, well, then there's Zoom, then there's CrowdStrike, there's, there's Zscaler, there's Twilio's multiples that like, now you look at it and you're like, well, Shopify is here. Look where everybody else is. Maybe there is an element of, uh, like scarcity that factors into certain things and like it's just like people view it as like a pure play without the diversification that amazon has and it's just pure e-commerce and it, it just gets piled into and you're getting a little bit of that dynamic where like once a bunch of cloud growth names aren't working money rotates into something where they're a little bit more comfortable and then slowly that turns into really overvalued. I think Roku's an example, right? And it's it just seems like that's sort of it too, is that the I mean we talk about liquidity as this thing, but it's it's the money is gonna go somewhere and there's only and there are only so many stocks and you know, I mean obviously we're talking about the entire market and we're talking about other asset classes, but yeah, I mean ultimately the rotation doesn't leave a lot of gaps out there. So I guess the question is with all this, like you've presented the problem. What is your initial, like, how are you going to trading is about to open for the year? Well, I mean, I bought some, what are you going to do? I own some sales force. I mean, I like those stocks. Uh, Okay. I've shorted some Shopify here and there recently, but like it's a valuation type call. Right. And I hate just making a valuation type call. I find Roku from a business model standpoint, not very compelling, right? And mm-hmm. when I when I look at streaming in general, and we, we, we went through this when we did our Netflix and Disney and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think like, you know, people look at Roku and, and if you like look at the EV to sales multiple, it gets lumped in with like a Zoom, right? So I can buy basically Zoom and Roku at the same EV to sales multiple with Zoom growing its top line faster and uh, Zoom basically dominating its marketplace with versus a Roku's where it's essentially filled with competition, even though people think it's kind of like a Switzerland benefiting off of everything, right? But, you know, when you look at Roku's multiple, they're selling the hardware, the player, at like almost no gross margin, right? And like, what does that type of hardware revenue get as a sales multiple? Like, I mean, Sonos, you know, selling speakers, you know, for the televisions and whatnot, like it's getting one-time sales and, and they're still earning a better margin, right? So like, you can argue that Roku's player sales have almost no multiple value, right? Maybe you could even argue a, a, like a slight negative value. Like I'm just not going to pay 
more than one X and maybe nothing. So then it's like, all right, then it's like a 720 million, 30 million, you know, advertising essentially business, right? And, you know, growing most recent quarter, call it 70% or so, right? And I'm going to pay, I'm paying 25X that. All right, well, I mean, you know, Pinterest is an ad business. Uh, Facebook is an ad business. Uh, Snapchat's an ad business. Twitter is an ad business. Uh, I mean, but Pinterest and Snap, you know, from a unit economics basis, that offer you more appeal. And they trade at like, you know, high single digit sales multiples. So you can look at stocks like that and be like, maybe they're just like, maybe people have lumped them in and maybe the algos just approach these things in that manner and and uh, aren't really distilling it down. And you're like, well, I mean, you know, maybe Roku should be 40% lower. And if it was to miss on a, on a quarter, you know, 50, 60% lower, right? Because like, what am I going to get excited about in streaming? Like as, a, as, a, as an investor these days, it's, it's an extremely competitive market. And I have almost zero visibility into when the competition slows because, I mean, that's kind of part of the problem with Netflix, right? I mean, Netflix definitely trades at a far lower sales multiple. Uh, but like, when, when do you think Netflix is going to be free cash flow positive? Three years, four years? Like, can they, like, I, I think, you know, we, we had this conversation before. The argument with Netflix was they're going to have pricing power, right? Well, that's kind of eroded. You know, you've got Apple and, and Amazon and, and Disney and Google in the content game, and they make money hand over fist elsewhere. So where is their pricing power going to come from? Like, what at what point do Amazon, Apple, and Disney chill out on streaming? It's very hard to, to come up with a time frame for that at this juncture. Because right. I mean, like, like some of them just like Apple's just got the, they're giving away that year, you know, for free with the hardware, and you're just like, I like, I mean, I don't think Netflix is going to have any, you know, specific issues, but like as a shareholder, like, wh- where am I getting excited? Like, when does it start minting money on on the level of a Facebook or an Apple, mm-hmm. which have businesses to that mint money and allow them to invest in stuff like this as as a compliment same thing with you know with amazon right so like you look at streaming and you're just like why would it like just stepping back why would i want to own a streaming pure play at all like until there's consolidation and people have thrown in the towel to a degree and you know netflix is spending half of what it's spending on content and is much more profitable. And I mean, I think that's, that's an overriding theme in, uh, in, you know, maybe if you're, if you're looking for short ideas, you, maybe you want, you want to look for a sector where it's, where you, you kind of have that. And, and, and maybe in some of these growth spaces, it's the same thing, right? Like, you know, with all these SASs with their valuations, you know, they're facing each other and overlapping in adjacent markets, right? And uh, 
unless you're sitting here thinking, well, you know, maybe Google buys X, Y, and Z or, or Facebook buys X, Y, and Z. It's tough to just on an absolute basis get super excited about evaluation. Well, and that's, I feel like that was the point you spelled out in Once Upon a Time in Tech, your article from the summer about the, the SaaS. It really is that point where the competition is so tight between. And when you think about streaming is another good example of that idea of, yeah, why would you want to be, it's, it's questionable. It's an exciting industry and it's very tangible. And yeah, maybe somebody will be a land grab winner. But when you're talking about Apple being able to come in and spend $50 million an episode and not like really, they're not going to do that and then say, oh, okay, we're going to give up. Like they're going to be in for a while, even if they are the dumb money. And then if you have Amazon, which also spends sort of in that, that far thinking way. And it seems like that's maybe where we are, where the valuations, I guess valuations have already kind of priced in a lot of winners in these games where now they don't have a lot of margin for error if they want to justify the valuation. But then what you're saying, the curveball is, is that, well, yeah, but so they've done the same thing for McDonald's or Walmart where we know that there's really not much further they can go either. And so what do you, you know, you kind of throw your hands. Yeah. That's where it gets a little more complicated. I think the difference is in, I think when you look at streaming versus let's say SAS, I think people, you know, have two names to trade on a pure play basis, right? Netflix and Roku. Right. So I think that does play a factor where like I I have 40 names to choose from in software as a service, right? You know, I may I may have like, you know, f- five names just in monitoring and, you know, brought it out like 10 names in DevOps and like it just, it it's i think that's part of the thing where like you, you may get the, you you may get the, like if you're looking for short opportunities you may get these short opportunities in uh in a name like a roku because of that i mean if you look at roku i mean like you know they they give you their hours streamed and all this stuff and and you're like all right well i mean you know 60% of that is is netflix and youtube you know i mean like what if i add in prime and not disney and HBO or whatever, like what percentage of the hours on the platform are just not, not monetizable at all by them. Right. And when I look at like, you know, a Disney by itself, I'm like, well, you know, Disney has a library of content that incrementally for them to monetize that doesn't cost them as much. Right. And when they make a movie, you know, they make money at the box office. They make money off the merchandising. Uh, they make money off the rides at the theme park. Right. There's, there's a layered business model that they monetize when it comes to what they produce content wise. Where in Netflix, you know, it, it gets that subscription revenue. And like everyone is chasing that subscription revenue now. Right. Apple's making huge profits off the phone. Amazon, you know, God knows what more they can include in Prime. I mean, like you, you can shop at the grocery store and you get the delivery and you're ordering like healthcare, financial services, who knows, right? And you look at Roku and you're like, I don't get excited about the advertising, but like, well, I mean, you know, you, you think that Facebook and Google and whatnot 
don't re- don't remain a problem and that streaming isn't about actually like if the if the marginal cost of streaming is heading very close to zero with three dollars and four dollars for subscription services without ads right like what exactly is the hours that are going to be spent on the level of content that is originated by you know tier three type choices that are on roku and providing them that 30 percent of ad inventory right so why am i like why does that not like if people argue that twitter and pinterest like uh have skepticism and that's why they get these lower multiples and that that i'd say let's say like a you know investors have been burned by twitter and snapchat in the past and that kind of gets priced into a way of pinterest trades then why is that not like appearing in streaming where it's really obvious that it's going to be a miserably competitive environment for a very for a very long time like at least as far as i can see from an investing horizon right i right. mean facebook facebook is at what like 5 five times six times sales sorry not facebook uh netflix mm-hmm. i mean that's not bad right i mean there's a lot of stuff and there's you know probably going to grow 20 percent this year or so right like nothing wrong with that but like they're spending you know close to 20 billion dollars on content and they still have to borrow money from the market to fund that spending and like we were talking about them getting profitable free cash flow positive by 2022 2023 before people kind of adjusted to this this fact that apple and i mean now you got peacock and like you know even amc theaters has got like on demand and like i mean you know everybody is in this content game right mm-hmm. and you're like well i mean do i need to push that out because i i definitely don't expect them to be able to raise pricing that's not happening in in the near future so they just either need to spend a lot less on content and can they spend a lot less on content when apple amazon google and even like a facebook you know like do we see facebook get into that game yeah yeah those are questions to consider i mean like there's it's like that's where you look at some of these giants you know i read an article recently about facebook getting into cloud computing and i was like you know what why haven't they I mean, it, it would seem to be a no-brainer. Like, the one thing that, that they do at super scale is operate frigging infrastructure. And they're doing all these things with, you know, open compute projects and sharing how they do things and, and collaborating. And it's like, you know, why, why can't they, why can't they enter this game as, you know, horse number four? Well, and then because there's the, the whole AR thing too, and VR, and that whole potential market. I mean, look, if if they got less hit, like I mean, you know, why doesn't Facebook buy AMC and you know get into the like converting dot into the future, like augmented reality, virtual reality? You go to the cinema, there, you know, people sitting in chairs with VR headsets, and you convert cinema chains into like you know vr centers with the cinema option right i mean there's a lot of things that where you look at some of these you're like i mean amc trades at like seven eight hundred million dollars you could even look at it you're like i mean it's a it's a rounding error for a netflix or or 
or a Google or an Apple as an acquisition if they're all getting into content. Right. Yeah. Like, are they going to make a lot more money off of it? No, but is there a way to cross-sell ancillary? Like, what about Amazon? What if, what if you know, Prime membership includes me being able to view two movies at a theater? Like, they bought Whole Foods, for God's sakes. You don't think they can buy a cinema chain that's trading at $700 million market cap? with the most locations physically in the in the u.s if you want that footprint i mean there's a lot where you look at that and you're just like it goes back to looking at these giants and uh and the way they want to make money and maybe there's more appeal in in that in terms of the, the way they layer services on in contrast to uh getting excited about them you know buying some sort of enterprise software tool okay all right let's stop there but there's a lot to think about for the year ahead. Next time we should pick up, maybe pick up one of these threads and what. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think one further. thing that's interesting this, for the start of the year is will there be like a rush back into these growth stocks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think if you're looking at 2020, like you, you can't be looking outside of, you know, what, like whatever we discussed NVIDIA and chips and, and whatnot. And like, I obviously I still like NVIDIA a lot. Uh, but you can't be looking at Apple and Microsoft and being excited, right? So if you're a growth-oriented guy, are you just going to wake up today and be like, I'm going to buy some, you know, some Zoom and Pinterest and Salesforce and ServiceNow and Workday? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, some of those names, I mean, you. I think you can talk yourself into a lot of different names, can't you? Depending well, on I mean, you can, it, like, because, I mean, I look, I can talk myself into Facebook easy. I, mm-hmm. I don't even see a legal argument that would ever hold water to breaking them up if I'm not going to mess with everybody else, even though they're not getting the negative press of everybody else. So 20 times earnings uh, for that company with, you know, Microsoft at 30, uh, Apple at 22, and Facebook's margin and growth profile it, it is, is not complicated at all. But I I do wonder uh, on the software, like you know whether uh, whether you 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 will see a rush or not. I mean, it's it's like, are we going to have the first two three months? And like you know, when's the Fed supposed to stop this quantitative uh, these liquidity injections that they've been doing in the repo market? Like, does does that dislocate the market? Is that what you're looking for? Are you trying to uh, hedge around that like supposedly that's not gonna not gonna happen till q2 is that is that a catalyst that you want to avoid and are you going to try to make as much money as possible you know long you know in january and then uh, step back and rethink things maybe the maybe iowa primary what is that first week of february i think first week of february yeah yeah does the market get skittish as you get close to that that you know, a Warren or a Sanders does really well. I mean, it's hard to envision Trump losing at this point. I think it'll definitely be a close election. But, and yeah, and what does the president do uh, if he wins again? Like, if you're thinking even further out, like, what's he just going to be blasting the Fed? At some point, the market will fall, right? Uh, I mean, he's basically made himself the... uh, stock market 
as a as a measure of of his success president right which is a bit ironic considering he came in on a platform where he criticized low rates and and the, and said that the market was essentially a bubble and not real because interest rates have been kept artificially low by now he wants negative rates so it's you know almost kind of ironic to, to think about it uh how he will be reacting uh, at the start of the year but look at today though I mean, it's first day of the year and actually you're looking at the tape right now the stuff that was sucking for the last six months is doing well today the SaaS names are up cloud look at baidu's up five bucks that was a disaster 2019 maybe it is uh, uh, a market where you know you buy the, the, the growth underperformers of the last five months for at least uh, the first month of the year hope springs eternal the calendar turns and it's there to get excited again even if well, i mean then again apple's up almost two percent so <laughs> there's a maxim for anything don't don't stop what isn't working or, or it's not broken don't fix it uh, exactly all right so uh good stuff w- let's wrap up disclosures i of the names you mentioned i definitely am still on disney and google you had said facebook and CRM, anything else that you are currently NVIDIA. in position? NVIDIA, right? Amazon. Amazon, okay. Workday. I think that's it. Oh, some Any, target. Anything on the short side that you had mentioned or not actively? Uh, short a little Shopify. I've okay. been in and out of shorting Roku lately. Yeah. But I mean, with Shopify, I'm I'm not that enthused. Maybe it has to go a little bit higher before uh, I can get super enthused. But I mean, the trades were a trade. The, the thing is with some of these is that you're you're doing it on an absolute basis. I haven't. I've been so non-committal on uh, just like outright long or short. So like, I should be just pairing everything, and I just haven't felt like it, you know, because. I, I've had a little bit of where I was just like, you know, short a little Microsoft and Apple against Facebook and, and, and let's say Google and, uh, Amazon. And uh, like, you just are like, why do I want to fight the momentum? So why don't I just be long the underperformers <laughs> that are good and wait till a point where, uh, like I feel comfortable about me. Like Google is so cheap. Really? I mean, look, that's up big today too. 20 bucks. I mean, what is that? It's almost, almost a percent and a half to start the, yeah. start the year. One and a half. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's trading at what? 2700 billion mm-hmm. EV, 750, something like that. And that's one where, you know, you had Page and Brand step down. Uh, maybe on their first quarter this year, you get a little bit more color on other bets and it starts to see, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking 20% top line growth or close to that. Not as profitable as, let's say, a Facebook, but, you know, still a pretty dominant player at a much lower valuation, relatively speaking, than I'd be getting in terms of Apple and uh, 
Microsoft. Right. Yeah, that's sort of the sort of the play there. Okay. All right, Akram, thank you. Best of luck in the year ahead, and let's do this again soon. Okay. All right. Take care.